they were better off waiting until January. The fact that they would wait until July to update a list as if black people just fell out of the sky is the most disrespectful thing ever. And not to mention a lot of people that they put on the list are not active wedding people at all. You are listening to the In Full Frame podcast. In Full Frame is the go-to resource for wedding professionals featuring news from all across our industry and original articles from our industry's leaders. I'm your host, Lance Nicole, and you can find more on infullframe.com. Enjoy the show. On today's podcast, we are doing something for the first time. I have two guests, um, so I'd like to welcome two very talented wedding planners, Eliana Bosicol and Lulu Alexander. Eliana is a wedding and event planner based out of Atlanta, and she is also the creator of the Bee Collective. Lulu Alexander is a wedding planner and event planner based out of New Orleans and is also the creator of the Inspire Design Workshop. Uh, Lulu is also a really good friend of mine. I don't know if I've shared this with you before, Lulu, but when I first left editorial photography to get into wedding photography, you were really the first wedding planner to kind of bring me into the wedding world And so I owe you a debt of gratitude, but also very thankful for your friendship over the last few years. Welcome, both of you guys, uh, to the show, and thanks for being on today. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. So you guys are also really good friends, correct? We are. Um, Well, we met through the industry. Oh, no, I remember the first time. Oh, can I tell the story, Lulu? Please do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We met in Paris, of all places. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Like, that's... I've been, I was dying to go to Paris by any means necessary. I didn't know how I was going to get there. And then there was a design workshop that happened in Paris. I don't remember how many of us was there. Lulu, do you 15. I was like 15. Oh, 15. Okay. So it was like 15 of us. And here comes Lulu and she's speaking French. I'm like, okay, she can save me if we're walking the streets. <laughs> and at that time I hated to walk and Lulu wanted to walk the whole Parisian everywhere possible and I complained the entire time and we've stayed in contact ever since that was in 2015 so we're going to a decade of love Lulu yeah it's flown by (laughs) wow that's a pretty good way to meet um and yeah so you guys have stayed in contact and been friends uh for the past few years um Lulu let's start with the Inspire Design Workshop how long have you been doing that um and why did you start that I guess it's been the past four years. Um, And, you know, before uh, uh, diversity and inclusion was as much of a conversation as it is is now, um, I was always a big attendant, um, conference attender, um, workshop, always looking to, you know, learn more things, network, um, hone my trade, so to speak. And, I guess I just felt that I didn't see myself in those experiences. Yeah. Um, even that, that workshop that I went to that I loved in Paris with, with Eliana, it wasn't necessarily my style. Um, I didn't totally see myself reflected in it. But I really liked the experience of um, learning and meeting new people um, in the industry. And so I decided to sort of be... Um, subvertly inclusive. So rather than really highlight the workshop experience as it's going to be this diverse experience, 
just be like, it's going to be this amazing wedding design experience with all the best of the best in the industry. And then surprise, surprise, when you get there, it just turns out the best of the best is pretty diverse. Um, and so I have loved uh, the makeup and the diversity of um, not just ethnicities, but also um, design styles, um, what, uh, business interests, um, geographical diversity. We've had people come from Africa, all over Europe, Asia, South America to come attend um, yeah. in New Orleans. And then New Orleans itself lends itself to just being really diverse. So um, it's been like the, the secret goal without being the big stated um, objective of the workshop. Yeah, I love that. And so I've been fortunate enough to uh, be a part of it in a small way. There are photographers on one of the days that will help the attendees and, and shoot some of their work. Um, and so you having that particular goal wasn't even something that I realized. So, you know, definitely succeeded in that way, doing it um, in a way that was not, like you said, submersive in a sense that surprise, surprise, which it shouldn't be surprised that the best of the best is a diverse group. Um, and then Eliana has been a part of that workshop. So mm -hmm. either Lulu or, or Eliana speak to how you guys came together for the Inspired Design Workshop. I mean, Lulu graciously said, hey, I have this idea. Will you be down? And I was like, I don't really know what you're talking about, but I will do anything that you ask me to do. So I had absolutely no idea what I was walking into. Um, and I don't, I've never missed an Inspire, have I? No, never. It's been a part of it from the beginning. It's a part I, of it's a part of my my everything, um, and it's great because I think it has taught me what Lulu has done and continue to do is something that I've never seen done. Um, I've often seen people wanting to do what Lulu has done, but I think she has definitely cornered the market in terms of design and, like she said, to bring so many diverse designers all in one space. And have them equally learn and equally walk away with something is what you don't really see a lot in the conference world space, a workshop space. So it's been pretty cool. And I think that's what keeps me going back is because you really have, not only are the attendees repeat, but they're so excited to just walk away with this piece of knowledge, you know? So it's like they really get tools to, to implement in their business, you know? So I, I, I literally believe in a platform even even on days when I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this again. And I get there and then I'm excited to do it again. So that's awesome. Yeah. And from being able to just see the workshop, um, Lulu was actually nice enough on some of the workshops to let me come and just sit in on some of the sessions, even the day before, um, because it's a multiple day event. And to see how hands on it is, how practical the instruction is. Um, is incredible. And that isn't always the case with a lot of workshops. It, from a photography standpoint, I'll either hear of or get feedback from um, workshops. And a lot of times they aren't practical. It's a lot of just repeated information that you can't apply. And that's not the case from what I've seen with the Inspire Design Workshop. And like you said, there's a lot of repeat attendees. And so that speaks to it as well, right? That they're coming back for a reason. So yeah, it's an incredible experience. And it's an incredible thing that uh, you've put together, Lulu. Um, when is the, the next uh, workshop? Um, well, we were slated for November, but given the whole um, pandemic, um, I think there's some fluidity to that date. Um, I think we're going to aim for it, kind of see where we land. And if we have to push things ahead, then it would be probably moved ahead to March. But there are so many talented people involved, like it's, Inspire really can be a beast. There are only like 
14 attendees, but there's often three times as many people involved behind the scenes. So um, just coordinating all those schedules will will be a thing. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, this is a time where we're all being extremely flexible and it's, you know, definitely it makes more sense to watch what's going on and to be to be safe rather than like I've seen with a handful of events in and outside of the wedding industry where there's a date set and we're just doing this regardless. So um, yeah, so when it's when it's time, then it'll be time, right? Absolutely. Um, but I love that it's happening. I, I think the next Inspire will probably be the most special for me. I mean, I, Inspire Tuscany was already something pretty amazing. But I think just because of this moment we're having right now, um, and I, I've been screaming from the rooftops, like there have been so many online conversations just about the whole issue of um, inclusivity. And anyone that's heard me has heard me say that I think the most meaningful kind of diversity comes out of like organic, just real relationships. And that's something that really happens at Inspire. And I think like now more than ever at the next one, um, maybe it was secret before, but now people are really going to see that. Um, there are so many, uh, we have an Inspire Facebook group and you just see all the past attendees who are now friends together and people who wouldn't ordinarily come in contact with each other, just friends now. And I think that's actually how you diversify your business is just organically diversifying your life. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really well said that the best way to diversify your business or an industry is diversifying our lives, right? start with the the entire thing not just one aspect of it that's incredible all right eliana so talk a little bit about the b collective when did you start that we started at 2017 was our very first issue so i originally started publishing um, my book be inspired so that had came out valentine's day of 2016 from there you know i, I knew i was it's, it's a funny quick story, and this is a little bit of a business thing. So my book is called Be Inspired because I run with the letter B in all aspects of my business. Um, went to get it trademarked. But before I even went to get it trademarked, which clearly I did that wrong. I should have trademarked before I even um, went into this brand. But I ended up looking at different spines of different books, and it always would have like who the publishing group was or who the, the print company was. And I went ahead and I just, I don't know even know why I decided to call it the Bee Collective. I don't even know. It just came out of nowhere. I put it on the spine. Produced the book, Be Inspired. Was ready to go ahead and produce the magazine, calling it Be Inspired as well. But the magazine, the very first issue was called Be Inspired. And then I had to change the name due to trademark. Because I had, um, there's another, there's a PR company that's called Be Inspired, which I know and love. But I didn't think there'd be a conflict with a magazine versus, um, a PR firm, but clearly there was because it got kicked back from the government. But it just showed, and the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I feel like God was just such the bigger part of that, that already knew that he wanted the brand to be called the Bee Collective because he made me put it on a spine without me even knowing years and years in advance. So that was really cool. But um, the Bee Collective magazine definitely was born out of a, more than a need, um, more for a need over everything. So at the time there were very few, if at all, print magazines with people of color mm -hmm. or especially dedicated to people of color. I remember one of my very first writers um, and the reason why I hired her is because she sent me an email. She said she went to the bookstore and let's say, let's say it was like Barnes and Nobles or something. And there were 17 magazines on the stands. Out of the 17 magazines, I was one of them. It reduces down to 16. Out of the 16, four of them 
only one of them had one couple, uh, one black couple. Another wow. one had um, a, a interracial couple. And the other one had like a fusion wedding. And that was it out of 16 titles on the stands. And she, she wrote me to, you know, to apply for a job and said, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't looking for weddings or anything. It's just, she just loved the space. And she literally opened all these magazines and did that research in order to, um, to apply for the job. So right then, then, I mean, it was, I already knew why we were, why we existed, but that just confirmed why we existed because at that time, you know, for the last decade before that, we were literally, when I say we black people were literally fighting for space in a magazine because once they hit their one couple quota, it was forget about it, you know? Like, so right. now you have, let's say 300 wedding planners that maybe only one is gonna get consistently um, published because they know the editor or just great quality of work, but there's another 200 that'll probably never be seen in print specifically because they don't have the opportunity. So that's why I created the magazine. And so what year, I think you might have said this, but what year did the first edition of the print magazine come out? December, 2017. Okay. December, 2017. So in little less than, I mean, this is pretty quick, less than three years, you've really created something that is incredibly well-known. Um, that's, that's incredible. So congratulations (laughs) on that. I, I I never feel that way. So it's awesome that you say that. Thank you. Um, we have, you know, I guess why I don't feel that way is we're just at the beginning, you know? So I do want to stop and, and give gratitude and be grateful for all that we've done, but it's, you know, leave it up to, and I know we'll get into it, but leave it up to Lulu on the platform. She's 20 years ahead of the game, you know, in her mind and her thinking. Um, and then like, as far as my, on my side, where I'm doing a little bit more of the publisher and focuses focus more on the magazine, there's so much to be done. There's so much to be done and there's so much that can be done. And even with the climate change of, the the cries for inclusivity still we're going to be like lightheaded of the game in general regardless of race so we're excited right and she's being um modest but she's like a powerhouse she's a powerhouse workhorse like that the magazine came out in december but i remember us talking about that you remember in baltimore on um in february we were together i mean who just says i'm dreaming of a magazine and like 10 months later, a magazine is on the stands, not like a, a mock-up is on a desk. It's on the stands, it's sold out, it exists. Like, so um, I think that's, that's part awesome. of the basis of like this partnership is that we both have a lot of just, let's go do it, let's yeah. do it now. And, and it's perfect because we are like so different. Like our angle is like the same, but we are like, and I think, honestly, like, cause how long, we've been doing this in January. So like we're a full seven months and we've never like bumped heads at all. Like I stay out of her lane, she kind of stays out of my lane, you know? So, <laughs> kind of. And before this, I would never think that part, a partnership could work for me. Um, just cause I, that's how I am. I'm like, I have this idea, it has to get done. I don't deal with naysayers. If I said it's getting done, it's getting done. Um, so I, I usually never want anyone to interrupt that process, but mm-hmm. because I, I believe in everything that one, she believes in me so much, but I believe in everything that she wants to do with the brand that I don't have to think about it, um, right. which makes it really cool. Okay. I, I want to get more into this, the partnership with the, the B collective, because as I understand it, and I'll have you guys explain to me and to everyone, there's the print side, and now there's this bigger focus on the digital side. Um, but I, before we're going to kind of jump a little bit, and 
I'd like for each of you guys to give me your, um, you know, your maybe quicker or five, 10 minute version of how you got into weddings and what life was like for you before weddings. So, you know, I, I love um, you kind of bringing in this, the idea of the partnership and how this is working so well and you guys being so different in so many ways. So I'd love to frame that with your backgrounds and see where things are um, similar and different. So Lulu, why don't you start? Um, what were you doing before weddings and how did you get into weddings? Um, I was hanging out at law firms. Um, just, hanging out. <laughs> just hanging out at law firms. No, um, I was. Um, I have a whole 14-year career um, as a litigation attorney prior to getting into weddings. Um, and that origin story probably just speaks to uh, a little bit of the gypsy in me. You know, it started out in Montreal. Uh, fast forward eight years later, I was in New York. Um, going to law school, graduated, and um, even in law school, I, I'm sorry, even in my legal career, my interest has really been in like coordinating and bringing um, people together, like communication-wise, clarifying. So like I have a background in arbitration and mediation, and you know, at my first firm, they actually created a position because they were just like, you know, I, so many times I'd find myself in a meeting with um, groups from so many sides. And I could just tell the moment when someone said something and another party misunderstood it. And I would just like jump in like, wait, wait, let me just clarify. I think you think he means this, but this is what he means. And so that just became a, a thing. And I think really in event coordination, whether it's weddings or conferences or other kinds of events, it's really about um, clarifying everyone's position and communicating clearly yeah. yeah bringing together a team i mean there's so many pieces and parts to what it means to plan a wedding an event um, and i've said this so many times especially over the last few weeks as a photographer i am not jealous at all of what the life of a planner is right now <laughs> because it's bringing all these things together and then doing it again and then you know, I mean it's it's there's so many pieces so I would imagine that your your years of experience in mediation are probably coming into play a bunch now, whether you you know um, for better or worse. But yeah, talking so many brides off the ledge right now. Um, mm. So yeah, the the pandemic has been hard for a, a wedding's already something that you plan on such a uh, with such a long um, uh, runway and sort of in terms of time and the calendar, and so. Um, insert something, insert a pandemic that's just sort of defined by uncertainty mm -hmm. and there goes all your, your ability to plan. So, yeah. 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 All right. And uh, Eliana, uh, what was life, life before, for you before weddings? Yeah. Now that I think about it, um, Lulu and I kind of did do the same, well, not the same thing, yeah. but the same background. You were right? out at law firms too. Yeah. I hung out at law firms. <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Um, I was a senior litigation specialist. Mm. which basically meant that going from the world of paper and making everything now electronic, um, being in charge of that and being in charge of tons of attorneys. So it was really a wild career that I would have 30 or 40 contract attorneys at any given time um, reporting to me. But it's a very, to me, weddings has always been very similar to my role in, um, in law firms because I was basically a, a contract employee. So the success of whatever I did 
solely relied on what I did on, on me. So I would have to work 80, 90 hours to win that case or to, to be an asset to the partners. And to me, my brides and grooms are the same thing. It's, it's one goal is to win a case versus getting down the aisle. So it was kind of an easy transition. Um, and I'm grateful for it because I think when I started the, started my business, I was very much more logistical and I didn't Mm -hmm. think I'd even had the creative side of me. I remember when style shoots came out, I was like, I will never attempt to do a style shoot in my life. I was like, I will never live up to be on Style Me Pretty. I don't know how they come up with all these ideas. Um, I'm going to put the fork in the wrong place and they're going to tear it to shreds <laughs> and I wouldn't touch it for years. And I don't, I don't, can't even remember what my first one was or why I did it, but I do actually know what my first one was. It was pretty shitty. Um, but and then I think about it, it wasn't bad actually. I probably would post a photo recently, but anywho, um, so it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey, but definitely my nine to five prepared me for what I was getting involved in from working a crazy amount of hours to actually being responsive and knowing that the, what the end goal was and making sure that that was met. I'm literally doing the same exact thing in my mind, but on a creative side. Right. Right. Okay. And so now going back to the B collective, how did you guys, you know, how that conversation start or come together that, all right, you guys are going to now collaborate. You started the print side, but you guys are going to collaborate on the B Collective um, and and focus on this digital side as well. Literally, literally is Lulu cracking a whip. Um, you know, I guess because I, I would see Lulu more than I would see my friends and family because I was always at Inspire. And and not only that, I would be inspired for like days, right? So, she doesn't like to leave. Right. Like, and I have any things so to get me to do anything for like three or four days is like a, a feat right there in itself. But, um, and I remember, so I guess I, I told her about the magazine. I launched it, went back to Inspire. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's great and all, but... That's nothing. <laughs> and here's all the things that we can do. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she created this beautiful document that we should actually print and frame. But she created this beautiful document of all the things that the brand could do. And I did not look at it for like a year or two. <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe it's not that, that long. Is true. No, that is true. That it, is- it was like a solid 13 months. She all right. Not solid, 13 months, solid 13 months. Solid 13 months. And because... Everyone that knows me knows I don't like to read long documents. I'm like a lawyer. And it's about eight pages long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. So like if I can't figure it out in the first three sentences, I, I've already blanked out. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know how we resurfaced it after that 13 months. But I remember our, I was having a conversation. I was like, okay, Lulu, get activated. And she's like, okay, it's time to go. And she took off. So <laughs> that's my version of how we got to the digital side. Yeah, I basically chased her for like 18 months. And finally, she, um, she I don't think she read it. So no. I don't know what she did. But she finally <laughs> just changed her mind or finally clicked for her. You know, I just I realized that um, her, it's not just her following. It's not just the numbers. It's like the quality of the following. It's like, you know, because there are other there are folks out there with big numbers, but there's something about Eliana's connection to her group. Um, you know, like even in the Facebook group, she's just very um, accessible. And I see how people react to her. And I was like, I just think there's something special here where we can we can come up with a great idea that helps people, but they'll actually listen to you. Cause like they actually connect with her as a person. There's just, a, there's a lot of trust and, and credibility 
um, between Eliana and her following that I think is just unique, like in the industry. And so I just saw a lot of potential for, you know, harnessing that to help, harnessing that to like really um, elevate um, elevate that whole audience. Yeah. So what what are you projecting or trying or actually doing now on the digital side? What is the goal and what was, I mean, what was it that you saw then that you were wanting to implement? So at the time, um, it wasn't even called the Be Collective, right? So we thought everything was going to be called Be Inspired. And um, my initial, that eight-page document that she still hasn't read, um, <laughs> outlined like um, the digital version of the magazine. But it just started growing. And I was actually on, my, on a five-hour flight when I wrote that um, that gazillion page text file. And my mind just started um, expanding. I was just like, but it can be so much more than a magazine. Like the future is digital and there's so much more you can do in that space. You can reach so many more people. Um, so much of our lives are digitized. So like, what if we did more? And I remember, I think that definitely one of the, the things that kind of sparked this inspiration for, yeah, I think now's the time is when she changed the name to the Big Collective because the the notion of the collective, the hive, this group that um, if we sort of function together, we can do so much more. That really, that felt like, um, you know, this, this inflection point of, yeah, this can be much more than a magazine in the digital space. And so the idea is, not only to sort of package the digital version of the magazine piece and the content there, but now that you've got a whole bunch of um, motivated um, and, and successful business people of color, what can, what can we now do to help this, this whole group? And so that, that has just snowballed in terms of first it was business support, it's advanced to, you know, lifestyle support. It's blossomed to educational support. It's just mm -hmm. taken on a much bigger meaning. And, um, you know, even for, even for our audience, it's sometimes hard uh, for us to, like, lay out that vision because there isn't something that exists like this. There is no other collective. Like, even within the um, industry, it's not like we've got a union or something, you know. Um, for the industry as a whole, like there's no like standard standardizing organization. There's no place where all the event people go and this is the place where they provide services or, right. or retirement plans or whatever. So just creating this whole new thing. And so we've, we've initially packaged it as like, you know, a vendor profile because that's something people can understand. But we have right. so much more in store for folks than that. So much more. Yeah, I, you guys have been doing like these rounds of Zoom calls where you're bringing in and, and trying to, um, I guess, answer any questions that anyone would have about signing up to be a, a vendor or a collective member. Um, so what talk about that phase now where people are either signing up or how they can sign up and what it means to, because I, I spoke to Lulu about this briefly and she said, well, you're not a vendor, you're a collective member. It's, there's, some, there's you know, it's more than that. It's um, so. What is what is going on now with bringing in vendors? 
Yeah, I'm going to probably hand this over to Lulu in a second. But one thing that, and she's 100% right, and I used to make this mistake a lot at the beginning, it's it's much more than a directory of just having your name listed and hoping that a potential client hires you. And I say client because we're not just weddings. We do, um, the magazine is comprised of at least 40% social events. So it, it's not just, hey, I'm looking for a client to hire me and I'm on an extra space. I'm listed somewhere else. We're literally bringing, building something that will elevate your entire, not only elevate, but make your life easier and come off as the professional that you are once you do get these leads. So I think that's that's where the industry in a whole has fallen short. And that's why there's no standards or no consistent procedures amongst us all, is that we're all just like chasing the bag and we just want to book that client and then everything else falls flat. And then our longevity in this um, industry doesn't last for very long. But I'll hand it over to Lulu so she can tell you more about the difference. Yeah, and well, you know, it's an industry made up of we're all a sort of uh, we're business owners, but primarily it's an industry of creatives. So here's this entire group of artists, and where's our artist guild, right? Where that sort of piece is missing. What's the group that um, would have possibly been able to provide some support during this pandemic? What's the group that, um, you know, we all struggle with um, figuring out healthcare options? Like, where's our association, professional association, that helps to coordinate that kind of thing and support that kind of thing? And so um, that's why I say that when, when, when it just so happened that the name had to change to the collective, that really um, resonated with me that, yeah, that's, we, we really need a piece that functions like that. So right now, folks are coming on. We've got different levels of membership. They're coming on in a format that is more familiar and that people understand, a business profile. But we've got the different levels of membership because what we plan to do is to keep introducing, hey, and here's a whole different kind of, you know, ordinarily, different levels of membership and this kind of thing would just mean more and more visibility. So you either get more or less visibility depending on whether you pay more or less. Our model is um, each increasing level of membership adds a whole new layer and dimension uh, to your membership. We So at the first two levels, we're talking about a business profile, but at the next two levels, we're talking about access to um, client management systems, uh, professional Zoom accounts. Um, we're about to reveal and launch um, in, in integration with bookkeeping for your business. So we're just slowly releasing, you know, um, the features to this to get people to get used to. Oh, this is something different. This is something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. It, the for photographers. And there's not as many people that take part in this anymore, but we have an association called PPA. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have insurance through them, but they are an organization that was created years ago with the idea to have an association, to have access to information, legal help, a whole number of things. But Often we see an organization that's created a certain time, they stay in that time. Mm -hmm. And that I think has happened with them and other organizations where they still have this model of, okay, you have to come to us 
where what it seems like I'm hearing is you're creating this community, not just for planners, but for industry and creative partners of, of any kind, but you're saying, we're going to come to you and we're going to you know meet you where you are. So it's this, you know, very inclusive, larger scale community um, is what it sounds like if I'm getting that correct. Oh, absolutely. And it's definitely industry wide. I would say that it's the, the future vision would even go beyond, you know, um, it would just be entrepreneurs, period. I don't even know if you'd have to be limited to the um, event space because yeah. um, there are so many business owners. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk more about the B2B um, in, in, the, in future versions of the platform, but there's so many businesses that just provide services to the event industry. So even they are welcome in, you know, this, this, the future vision of this. Right. So is there right now a target or an intention for the uh, vendors or collective members that you're um, wanting to sign on or, or are signing on? Is that intention for them to be um, minority or people of color vendors? Is that who you're targeting or is it, are you looking to build an inclusive? What's, who, who is the ideal B Collective member? Um, I'll I'll let Eliana talk some more about that um, since the the brand as a whole is definitely her baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say another um, point of connection that that Eliana and I have is that we both um, come from Caribbean slash South American immigrant backgrounds. So um, I I know that. It, I know that our experience as people of color, as women of color, is, is slightly different, definitely has a different origin story. And so both of us have sort of been united um, from the get-go in this like vision of multicultural inclusivity. That's always been a thing. Um, I don't feel like I've ever seen anywhere on Eliana's branding or any of her media where it's just been you know, black this or black that. So I think that the, I think there's definitely um, a goal is to showcase, highlight, feature, support um, creatives of color. But there's definitely um, a goal of including everyone. And you know, the 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 the, the black wedding space. I know that we're, you know, the the brand is inclusive of the entire event industry. But just the black wedding space is such a lucrative, it's a huge, it's a $7 billion um, piece of the pie. Um, It would be short-sighted for anybody in the industry to just decide to to not want to tap into that. So I think we're, we think of that as available to everyone. And so um, very long, story short, yes, <laughs> with the idea is to be um, very inclusive, open to everyone. There's definitely a goal of highlighting and, and showcasing um, creatives of color, but the, the door is open for everyone to be a part of this and to get to know this industry and to um, participate in it, sell to it, uh, support it. I mean, and like Eliana said, and sorry, Eliana, I don't, didn't mean to cut you off, but like you said earlier, the there has been that need 
for these spaces, right? For to showcase diversity, where a lot of the, for lack of a better word, mainstream outlets weren't doing that, right? And you even kind of touched on it earlier that that was one of the sparks that encouraged you to start your print publication. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know ex exactly what Lulu said. For me, it's it's whoever supports or services people of color. And yes, I. And it's funny because when I say the B Collective or anything with the B, specifically with the B Collective brand, to me, the B means so many things. Um, it means beautiful. It means black. It means bold. It means a plethora of things, of adjectives that we have for it. But specific, I've always said diverse because it's important to me. From the very first issue, we had a Persian wedding in there. Um, maybe the second issue, we had an interracial Nigerian and Jewish couple that to me was the most amazing thing to see them in their garb, but under a huppah, you know, just to, to me, the real world is important more than anything. I want the magazine and the brand to reflect exactly when you walk outside, what the real world, look, real world looks like. So we are very big on inviting. Yes, I am building a platform to showcase black people and amazing things that they're doing because they will never be overlooked again on my watch, but also invite all of our allies and everyone that services that market and will hold our people to that amazing standard that they should be on, you know? So definitely not anyone that wants to join because like, hey, the black dollar strong, I want some of it. No, hey, the black dollar is amazing. Their culture is amazing. Their, whatever they do on a day-to-day -day is amazing. They are my people. I want to go ahead and service that industry long-term. Sure. So yeah. to me, that's the thing. Like I, and, and I've never said this out loud or to Lulu or ever said it in my mind, but if I felt like there was any vendor, whether it's black, white, brown, green, I don't care, that was using the brand just for self-purposes, I wouldn't take their money. I'm definitely that person that all money is not good money. So if you're not here to enlighten and enhance our community, then I want no parts of it, you know? So that means getting into the B Academy, hearing, you know, working with other vendors side by side as peers and not as charity cases, because that's very important to me. Yeah. Um, so a couple episodes back, we had Andrew Roby on, and he used an analogy to kind of explain in his view, the the different media sources and outlets. And so he kind of used this partisan, bipartisan analogy of aisles in that there was one aisle. And because um, the Black wedding community, people of color, didn't feel represented, and, and rightly so, they were knocking on the door and saying, here are these beautiful events, and here are these beautiful weddings. And and like you said earlier, you would have a magazine and they would just put in their one, you know, uh, check mark for a, a couple of color. Um, and so that as a response, there was a second aisle that was created. And he cited a bunch of uh, sources and media outlets and the Beat Collective was one that uh, he brought up as well. And that he hopes that after this aisle was created out of necessity, that there can be this bridge in, in some way. I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but I think the onus is on what would, again, for lack of a better term, be considered the mainstream outlets to be reaching out. And I think we're seeing the beginnings of that. I certainly hope it's not superficial. And again, just to check instead of one box, a bunch of them where you know Harper's just released an updated list. 
um, to be more inclusive in brides release statements and Sami pretty released statements. And so do you guys, you know, I guess it's a bunch of questions all at once, but do you agree with that analogy of the aisles that were created and um, how there can be, um, you know, that gap or those can come together? Here's the thing. So the first aisle that was created is a mainstream white aisle, right? Mm -hmm. But then that second aisle that was created, it's not secondary to that main aisle. It's now a main a main aisle, black aisle. You know, and I think okay. that's important is to understand that it's not it, it's not necessary. It's not levels because you have to think about it. Like I go to print brides, it does not, even though they've been in the industry longer, have way more, you know, millions of followers. They don't even offer a print option, and I still do. So it's not that this is main aisle, and then here we are secondary trying to catch up to that main aisle and want to be included. No, I from and I'm only speaking about myself. There's that main aisle. I've created a main aisle. Can we cross pollinate? Absolutely. I definitely think that there are going to be times and there's a lot of collaborations that will come out of all of this racial injustice conversation. Um, but that can't happen until everyone understands that there is a mainstream black aisle. And if you've ever seen my magazine compared to what others have put out, there is no comparison. White, oh, it's brown, you know? Um, so I think that's the first part to understand is not that, yes, we are a minority group, but our product is far from being a minority, you know? So I, until the industry understands and respects the output of what we've created, whether from the print or whether from the platform, again, we're creating something that has never been done. So until we have been seen as equals, that gap cannot happen. Um, right. And I think that conversation hasn't really happened yet. You know, we've had conversations of, hey, we're black, you've ignored us, kind of let us in. You know, that has been the noise that we've heard for the last three months. But mm -hmm. there hasn't really been an honest conversation. For example, one of the um, Modern Luxury, who's here in Atlanta, they had a, a, a lunch recently where they invited, it wasn't media specific, they invited 25 white women and 25 black women. And the 25 white women wore black, black women wore white. And they literally had, it was like a say, it was called say it to my face. I didn't end up attending, but I've heard great things from it. And they were able to just have an open dialogue conversation. Us in the publishing and media world in the industry really hasn't done that. You know, so have I had calls with the not? Absolutely. Have I had to call or been on webinars with other people? Yes. But as publishers, we have not come together to say, okay, what can be done versus just being reactive of saying, all right, I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and launch a list and update a list, which that mm -hmm. was a slap in the face. It honestly, the Harper's list being updated, they were better off waiting until January. The fact that they would wait until July to update a list as if black people just fell out of the sky is the most disrespectful thing ever. And not to mention a lot of people that they put on the list are not active wedding people at all. So that it's just it's just insult after insult after insult and I rather, you know, some people have been really silent whether it's been engaged after conversations or the not didn't put out a release fast enough. I keep telling everyone, I rather them take their time and put out something right than me saying, "Oh god, here you go again." And and then you're just like pissing us off even more, you know? Right. Did I answer your right. question? Cuz I know I just like I No, no, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did. All right, just checking. <laughs> so, I mean, so let's get into that. And I know, Lulu, I don't want to cut off a response that you might have, but 
you said there are, these are conversations that we haven't had yet that there's this oh well we're gonna we're gonna come together and we're gonna put you on the list and all so let's let's put out there what the conversations are we need to start either instead or next yeah uh, what are what are those i mean like you said i, I love how you said it and um the, to say for me to say oh well that's the mainstream and this is the other thing 100 percent is incorrect right right you're right on that there's two aisles and so yeah let's i mean what what, what conversations should we be having yeah well you know we just had a Tarek and i um who's also a fellow wedding planner we had the, one of the most amazing webinars last week and it really was what are the next steps, right? Um, and that'd probably be a whole nother podcast conversation. I think there's a lot of internal work that needs to be done um, on both sides. And I don't think it's a white or black thing. I think the black community needs to do a lot of internal work as well as the white community. But because we are the minority, it will take white people standing up for us. And, and this is all injustice around the world, being a little bit more vocal for us to have that even playing field and saying, hey, have you have you seen the collective? Do you understand how amazing that this that, that it is to open it more to more eyes and more bodies? So there, there's tons. Again, I'm appreciative. Of all like for example, Modern Luxury, in their next issue, they have invited us to be the guest editor for the um. And so literally, to me, it was the reason why I said yes. It was the most respectful thing I've ever seen. They said, "Hey, you have a magazine. You are an editor. Be guest editor in our magazine and create a list." So it wasn't they trying to figure out, "Okay, give me the top fifty black people in Georgia." They said, "No, there is an expert that already exists that does it and does it well. So I'm going to invite her on our platform, give her editor's note in our magazine, and make her curate a list." You know, so. Those are the steps that need to be taken. I think it needs to be a little bit more thought than reactionary. Um, and we're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong on both sides. And it's just having a lot of grace while we figure it out. But it's it has to have honest conversation. Sorry, just to add to that. Like, I think that that, that speaks to like my earlier point about these things being really organic and real. So like, you know, just creating a list, that's why just changing your list doesn't work. That doesn't feel real. You've got to get out there and actually diversify your action, your environment, your the things you do in your business, um, and, and then true diverse results will come from that, right? So like, yeah, the, the, the act of bringing Eliana on board is, is way more meaningful than redoing a list randomly, you know, out of thin air. But think about even in your personal relationship, right? That's not how you would, that's not how you would start to, to show unity, even just like one-on-one -on -one with a friend. So um, I think more, more organic, meaningful steps will result in more organic, meaningful results. Yeah. And there's, you know, if, if there was something for anyone, this is just like a, a vacuum analogy. If there was something that you were not including in your life and you now see value in that thing including in your life, you wouldn't just go home to your desk and, and write a list of the things that are great about it. You right. would go and because you're excited about it, you would find out how to make it a part of your life. It would be an active thing. Whether you're talking about it or not, you would just want to include it in your life. So you know, how, I guess, 
obviously from, and it's easy when you have a certain perspective, but obviously there's an immense value in diversity. If everything was the same thing, and this isn't even ethnic diversity, this is, I mean, you can use analogies that will make sense to people in so many different spectrums. Um, you know, when people put their brains together, they create better things. If, if every scientist kept their own intellectual property separate, then we wouldn't have all the things that we have, right? And so there's so much value in that thing that I guess, and I'm talking out loud, thinking out loud, but we, you know, some, I guess some people don't see that value in diversities um, and, and some do, but if you are seeing that value, you know, it should be just part of your life. And if you aren't, I guess, you know, how do we show that? And I'm, I'm not looking for an answer necessarily because I don't, I don't know if there is an answer, but it's, it's for me and for you guys, I'm sure like so apparent, right? <laughs> We're better together. We're better with more um, and, and differences make us all stronger. Um, well, just I, in the creative space, I mean, diversity makes sense, right? Change yeah. and different things together, just that that's part of the creative process. And, you know, just going back to that um, workshop that we went to in Paris, Part of that story that I usually lead off with in Inspire is I usually start off by saying I that workshop was a fine art design workshop. That wasn't my background, but it was in Paris and some amazing people, one of them being Eliana, was going to be there. And I was just like, what? This sounds interesting. Let me go see some stuff that's not necessarily my stuff, but I'm creative. It's creative. Maybe I'll I'll get some inspiration there. That's literally why Inspire is called Inspire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, while I was in Paris, the second night of that workshop, I took down my website. I was like, oh my God, I want to do weddings like this. This wasn't even my thing. But how many, how many, how many of us out there are just going to um, a, a workshop or a conference that we don't necessarily think lines up with the style that we have now, but where we could find inspiration. I mean, there are so many people of color doing amazing workshops, you know, there's, especially in the floral world. I mean, so many amazing workshops. Are you going to those things? Are you going to go see? I mean, black style is incredibly colorful and vibrant and bold. I mean, it, it seems like even if that's not your market, you could certainly get inspiration from that. But how many people are leaving their comfort zone and just saying, let me go to something like that and, and see what I get from it. Right. And, and here's this thing that's right in front of, of everyone and a conversation that so many in our industry have been having for the last couple of years is that weddings for a large sector have looked the same over and over again, regurgitating the same design. And now here is an entire resource of new and different and exciting and beautiful right in front of you, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of you guys have been to Engage? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Eliana, you were saying earlier you've been, I think, seven times? We're at seven. We're at seven. I had to do all that homework. I could not remember <laughs> if it was seven or eight, so I Googled while, you were, while we were waiting for you to get on. I am at seven officially. I might find eight once at some point, but I'm at seven. <laughs> and then, Lou, you've been a couple of times? Yeah, right. Nice. Can you guys talk a little bit about your experiences? Lulu, I'll let you go first. Um, what have your experiences been like attending Engage? So for me, um, the very first time I went to Engage, I have to say that I, I found it 
inspiring. There was nothing really like that in the space. And my first one was, you know, a while back, um, as probably six years ago. Yeah. And um, I found it incredibly inspiring to um, be around people who at the time were way ahead, like were at where I was trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the networking there, the, the education there, it was at the time something that didn't really exist anywhere else. And um, I found it to be a really um, inspiring experience enough that I wanted to go back. Um, and and I've actually, I, I mean, I've heard some, I, I know some of the criticisms out there. I'd have to say that as, as a person of color, I definitely felt isolated when I was there. So while it was an amazing experience, um, separate from the experience was just something that um, we as people of color are just used to, which is just often being the only black face in white spaces. Um, and that's not unique to um, engage. That's something that we experience a lot, especially if you're, you know, someone who's trying to like make moves and be active and involved. That's just going to happen a lot of the time because mainstream happens to be majority white. Um, so while it was a great experience, there was that, you know, secondary experience, but that's not unique, I think, to engage. Gotcha. And Eliana, for you? Yeah. Um, say, I think we, I think no matter who you are, you go to your first engage and it's like, you almost want to cry because you're like in this room of crazy inspiration, you know, people that you look up to and my very first experience with it. And maybe I was so like excited to finally be in a room that nothing else mattered. Um, it wasn't, which again, was an amazing experience. I've been, I've been seven times. That's a huge investment, you know? Um, I, one of the main reasons why I keep going to Engage is because I did not want to be pushed out of Engage. I knew that my work was on that level and even better than some of the people that were there. And I didn't want an opportunity for Black voices to be ignored because we just weren't showing up in the room. Honestly, right. that's my very main reason for going. Um, second would be the content. Third would be connections. You know, um, I think that engage as well as many other conferences you know it's a click mentality right so as as a black woman what here's what happens um and remember back to when i said we have work to do in our own community so i you walk in a room and engage and you're nothing is clearer that you're minority besides when you walk in that room you literally can count us on less than 10 on less than two hands um and i'm talking about black not if you start adding you know um people of color to that but we're so fragile by walking in that room and we're so scared to be ostracized sometimes we're scared to not be let in that some of us work so hard not to be black in their presence literally you're like okay i'm gonna hang out with all the cool kids and everyone that's accepted just so that i might have opportunity to get an extension and be able to use the because of engage hashtag you know, um, so I personally at this point, because I'm at this point attending Engage, I know who I am. I'm comfortable in who I am. I'm comfortable in the work that I've done. So I didn't necessarily need to lean that way. But even if I'm trying to talk to one of my sisters or 
not really brothers, but my sisters, they don't really want to make that time to talk to me because they have an objective and their objective is to be accepted and not to be accepted by a black person because they're already, you're black and black on black, you know? So that's one part of Engage. So I don't think people understand even when we were talking on the forum and I did mention it, but we didn't get down deep into it. That's a huge part because that literally tears you down. That hurts more than anything. It hurts when your own kind doesn't want to acknowledge you because they want to make sure that they don't, are the only ones acknowledged in the room. So that's first and foremost. Then you're in, then, okay, now, now the second issue. Now you're in a room where, as I've mentioned, I've been there seven times. All my seventh time, I've had people, oh my God, is this your first time here? So you haven't seen me in the last six times I've been here, you know, or, you know, some of the speakers who I can guarantee you I've danced on a dance floor with them six or seven times. They know my face inside and out. They can never tell you my name. I could tell you that right now. It does. I don't even register enough. And these are I wouldn't call them my friends by any means, but anytime I see them engage, I'm excited to see them. Hey, oh my God, have you been, you know, you've done this, done that. I can guarantee you they don't know my name. Yeah. And there's, and I would echo that there's like clearly something to that because when someone's going to engage for the first time, second time, third time, I mean, everyone that I know, you, if you haven't done your homework before, like you've done your homework, I consider myself kind of a wedding junkie, but like you're going there to meet these people that, and for I mean, both you guys are incredibly well established in this industry. You have workshops and publications. So, you know, I'm just echoing what you're saying that if someone has not, even if they haven't met you, Right. But if they're saying, you know, oh, you're here for the first time, like they should know who you are. And that doesn't mean from like a, you know, an ego standpoint, yeah. but if you're a part of the industry and you're going to a networking event that costs a lot to go to, it's there, it, it says something, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it's actually even worse than that. One of my last, one of my very last experiences, um, I went to Nazook and we were waiting for the shuttle outside the airport and it was only the engage attendees and literally I had at least two or three attendees and I don't know who they were cause I don't care, but literally turn their back, like not introduce themselves, turn their back. Like, and again, we're a minority. So black people stand out. That's why I hate when people are like, well, where do you find black people? Oh, okay. They're not in like every crevice <laughs> of the world, but literally turn their back. And I was a speaker. I was a speaker at this engage. So it wasn't even like, hey, there's another black attendee. Hey, there is a speaker. I've never invested in any conference or workshop and didn't know who was on the roster or at least look familiar, you know? So again, they have a lot of work to do. They know they have a lot of work to do. Um, I'm I'm dedicated to helping them do that work, honestly, yeah. because I, I do believe in engage. I do believe and what it could be. I do believe that they are the the pinnacle of our conference world and a lot of people look up to them. So if they are able to make substantial changes, it will trickle down. Yeah. So and, you know, just like in um in some minor defense, I don't know that they need it, but in some minor defense of Catherine and Rebecca as individuals, I'll have to say that at my first engage, so like I said, six years ago. And I'm quite certain nobody knew me. Nobody, there was no reason to know me. But I had had one like offline conversation with um, Catherine prior to showing up because um, I was doing some international travel before arriving. And I'd sent her a message and she helped me with something. I mean, there were 300 odd people there arriving. And she, I had sent her my, my headshot sort of 
uh, separately, so she's seen it, it had been highlighted. She recognized me in a room of 300 people. She came up to me, she was very welcoming. Oh, you made it. Like, you know, she knew I'd been coming, you know, traveling internationally to get there. And so are those two women like opening and welcome? Absolutely. So some of, some of, some of, you know, if your negative experience at Engage is really more about the attendees and not about the leadership of Engage. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not about the leadership, hence why I would go seven times. Um, however, and this is something I've said to them, as the leader, you can normalize your your experience. You can. Um, right. You know, I, and I've been honest and said, you know, I've never shared these experiences with them, like the airport story I just told you, or being in the media room and not feeling welcomed or acknowledged at all. I've never gone back to them and said, hey, I felt this kind of way, you need to fix it, or just being making them aware. So I can't hold their their feet to the fire because I've never done that. I've never given them an opportunity to really know what happens behind the scenes. But for myself and my brand, can I call Rebecca or Catherine or shoot them an email and or whatever? You know, they they for my last conference, um, my last awards, they awarded a free scholarship to someone that was attending. So they have been supportive of myself and my brand when if I needed them or if I didn't need them, I knew that I could be there. Um I, and again, I think Engage has a lot of click issues that's bigger than race. It's just unfortunate that when you're a minority, it just stings a little harder. Yeah. I mean, it becomes reflective like you said, not of the leadership necessarily, but it's it's a micro community. So it says, it almost says more, right? That it's, you know, why, if this is happening in this community of 300 att attendees per engage, or this, I mean, the engaged community is probably a thousand or 2000 people, then it's reflective of a, the, that community or a larger community as a whole. 6,500 right? attendees, they just told me last week. So they okay, had wow. 6,500 yep. different people attend. So it's a big chunk of our who's who of of the industry, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of things that they've done, it's one is just not knowing and two is just of privilege and, and, and ignorance, you know? Yeah. Um, and it does, that doesn't, that's not a negative connotation by any means, you know? So we just got to see what, what happens moving forward. As I explained to them, the the change will be have to happen long-term, right? So we can see the next lineup and it's diverse and back score, right? But if it, if, it, if it doesn't look like that on the third and fourth one after these conversations, then we really haven't moved the needle at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Lulu, I mean, do you feel the same way about, I mean, you kind of made the comment, but about, how this reflects with the community as a whole? The way people respond to you there or your experience there is really more indicative of just how, you know, the mainstream community mm. is with us in general, right? Mm. It's just a reflection of, of an experience we have in general, just industry-wide. Yeah. And uh, Eliana, like you said earlier, that, you know, grace is a really important thing. I think that we need to give grace to everyone around us. I mean, in our lives, I think we're all individually better off by giving grace um, and also providing grace to ourselves and allowing ourselves to, you know, ask questions and also ask questions of ourselves. If I felt this way, why did I feel this way? And instead of beating ourselves up, finding ways to improve and grow and, and get better. So giving grace to the people in your lives, in your 
work communities, but also to yourself, I think is, is equally important. All right. So let's um, kind of I move to a slightly different subject, uh, a little bit of uh, speculation, but what do you guys uh, think 2021 is going to look like for our wedding industry? <laughs> That's a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I, I just a billion dollar question yeah um I don't know I I don't think and I know Lou's gonna agree with this I really will we start coming back in 2021 yes will we get back to normal in 2021 absolutely not um mm-hmm. it, it's physically it's it's really impossible you know because mm-hmm. of loss of income mm-hmm. that attend that clients have had you know, just everyone's still being scared of their lives when it comes on to COVID. So I don't, I don't see us getting back a hundred percent where we're consistently every weekend seeing something amazing happening on social media until 2021, honestly. All right. Lou. Yeah. Um, I think a few things, I think one thing, you know, sadly for better or worse, um, coming out of something like this, we're going to see, um, no judgment, but just sort of anyone who was better prepared um, and better responded to this will will still be there at the end of the, on the other side. Mm-hmm. But some businesses will just, you know, they're, they're they they won't make it. Yeah. So um, so we're going to see the results of some of the preparation, some of the ability to. Um, flex with the change, some of the ability to weather this storm. So mm-hmm. like I say, for better or worse, we'll see that a lot of businesses won't necessarily come through on the other side. On a positive note, you're seeing just a lot of innovation right now. So those people who do, the people who do have the bright ideas and who can roll with the punches and see opportunity in, in adversity will come out stronger on the other side and will come out different on the other side. Um, you know, even for myself, um, uh, this past year, um, have I've worked on a, a, a long time dream of mine to be a venue owner. And um, it's become clear in the last couple of weeks that that venue is not going to make it, is not going to survive COVID, not going to survive this pandemic. So, um, but on the other hand, lots of lots of ideas I had on the back burner and projects that I, I didn't have the time to invest in, I, I can now. So I think that's what's gonna, 2021 is gonna be the result of, were you able to innovate? Were you prepared? How did you react to this big change? Right, right. There, there is opportunity. I mean, this is not something that any of us would have wanted for our businesses um, and, and you know, obviously to a much larger scale for our lives. And we don't want any of our greater partners to have to leave the industry. But for anyone that is kind of towing that line, being in the wedding industry or getting out one bit of positivity is that by making it through this, your businesses are going to be stronger. I don't think there's an option for your business to stay steady through this. You're either, even if financially you're not um, as well off, your business is either going to get stronger because you've had to get stronger to survive, right? Your, your peers are going to see that you were able to handle all these situations and scenarios um, 
in a very professional manner, or they're going to see that you weren't. So there's there there it, while it is incredibly difficult, there is that opportunity for your business to improve, but also like you're saying for take that time to create something new and to innovate. There is opportunity there. Yeah, definitely. The ones who make it through, I think, will be making it through like gangbusters, right? It's because they really did. Um, they were able to make that change um, and and take advantage of the new circumstances. So I think there's there's good there's positives. I think also just um, in the world of clients, so not our space, people are going to be wanting to celebrate, wanting an excuse to get back into life. So I think there will be lots of opportunity out there. There'll probably be a lot of alternative celebrations. I think right now people just want to like celebrate because it's Tuesday and I'm free and I can leave the house. So I think we'll see a lot of, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people um, even just planning their like amazing 43rd birthday. That's not usually a banner celebration, but I think we're going to see a lot of different kinds of celebrations. So there'll be opportunity out there. So thank you guys so, so much for taking out the time in what I know is a very, very, very busy day and week as a wedding planner uh, to talk with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Oh, we appreciate you. And I just want to like say this is such a great example of, you know, I already, we are good friends just in our personal lives, um, you and I, Lance. Um, but this is just such a great example of also being a public ally, right? This is exactly what we expect from allyship is just giving, giving a space um, to elevate voices and to, to even have this, con, you know, nurture this conversation. Um, you know, I've been saying to a lot of folks during this whole time, I've been getting a lot of private messages and private messages of support are the act of a friend, but public acts of support are the act of an ally. And um, so while you have checked on me very, very often in the zombie apocalypse, um, and I've appreciated that friendship, this is really the act of allyship. And I hope we see a lot more of this um, industry-wide.